Christopher Brian Mitchell, known to family and friends as Brian, was a 32-year-old living in Brandon, Mississippi in 2018. He lived with his husband, Ben, and was a well-loved hairstylist in the area with many regular clients. He not only loved doing their hair, but enjoyed making them laugh and smile while they sat in his chair. On Saturday, May 19th, after a day of work, Brian went to visit friends in nearby Jackson, Mississippi. At 2 o'clock a.m. on the morning of May 20th, Brian made a call to his husband, Ben. Ben didn't answer the call. Ben would never know the reason Brian had called him. Brian Mitchell would never be seen or heard from again. Where is Christopher Brian Mitchell? And welcome back to the Where Are They podcast. Today's episode comes recommended to us by a listener, Tracy. Thank you, Tracy, for your recommendation. This unsolved case is super frustrating for sure. Since this case is unsolved and there is a high likelihood of foul play involved, I am not going to mention last names in this episode except for the victim himself. I began looking into this case a couple months ago, and there is so little known about Brian's disappearance, and so many that are just unwilling to talk, it was really a hard case to put together. But a man is missing, and he deserves to be found. His family and friends also deserve some answers. Before we jump into his story, a few quick notes about the show. If you are interested in joining our detective group on Patreon, Check out the link in the show notes. Membership begins at just $3 a month and you will receive a bonus episode every Friday, free or discounted merchandise, and we will be making regular donations to the charities involved with our missing persons cases. In fact, I will link our merchandise store in the notes also. We are hoping to use the funds raised there in the month of June and July to make a donation to Equisearch. Most are familiar with Texas EquiSearch, a nonprofit group that assists in searches for missing persons. They have worked on some high-profile cases in the past, including the Kaylee Anthony case, and their Midwest chapter is going to be assisting in the search for five-year-old Summer Wells in Tennessee this week. And I have been asked this a few times, but the Summer Wells case is not on our radar to be covered but I am keeping a close eye on it. This is a five-year-old girl that just disappeared in rural Tennessee. And if you've been following the case at all, something just isn't adding up here. If you are interested in supporting the show and our charities, go grab a Where Are They t-shirt or coffee mug and know that we are working to support these organizations that assist in searching for these missing persons. Of course, make sure you are following us on Facebook and Instagram. Also, we appreciate any support over there. And if you're watching us on YouTube, we hope that you will subscribe to the channel and help these cases be heard. 
As always, if you have any feedback or case suggestions for us, we want to hear from you. You can always email me at canwefindthem at gmail.com. Now let's turn our attention back to why we are here. Christopher Brian Mitchell. This is a case, as I mentioned, with little to no coverage anywhere. I'd love to play you some audio clips of some news stories or interviews that were conducted, but there just aren't any. In fact, there are only one or two media articles that I could find in total, and both of them say the same exact thing. Yet there are elements to this story that make it a suspicious disappearance. Missing persons cases are the one type of case that can benefit from public knowledge. For instance, have you seen this person? Are they still alive and well out there? Or do you know something about them or their friends and acquaintances? Anything that might provide a clue to their whereabouts. The more people looking for them, the higher the likelihood they'll be found. If you are aware of them missing, you know what to look for. If they have a vehicle, you can keep an eye out for that. If you hear their name, you'll take notice. The more that you know, the better. Yet there are people living right in the area where Christopher Brian Mitchell vanished from and have never even heard his name. Christopher Brian Mitchell, who I am going to refer to as Brian, as that is what he was most known by, was a 32-year-old young man in 2018. He was a popular hairstylist at the Detangled Hair Salon and had a ton of regular clients. Not much is known about Brian's earlier life or even much at all around the time of his disappearance, but I can share with you what we do know. Aside from being a popular hairstylist, Brian was married to Ben and together they lived in Brandon, Mississippi. Brandon is just a few miles to the east of the capital city of Jackson, Mississippi. We do know that at some point, Brian did struggle with addiction and spent a little bit of time in rehab in the past. And this is one of the factors that is believed to have played a role in the lack of search efforts for him. Like many who have a history When they go missing, it is often brushed off as they wandered off or they relapsed. They had an episode and not much is really done for them, especially at first. And that is the time that it is most crucial to find evidence, clues, or to even find the person. The longer we wait, the more difficult it becomes. Even with surveillance footage, most CCTV is only kept or stored for 24 to 48 hours. After that, the footage is gone. So what we do know here is that Brian went to work on Saturday, May 19th. Afterwards, he left to go visit some friends in Jackson. In fact, I believe the woman was actually Brian's friend and she was living with a live-in boyfriend in the King Edward Apartments or the King Edward Hotel. I've heard it referred to either way. It was believed that he would be spending the night with them on that evening, although it isn't really clear why. And I don't want to say that he may or may not have relapsed because his drug use during this time is not known. On that night, 
Brian was seen talking to some homeless men in the area and offering them water. The only other fact we know for sure is that at 2 o'clock a.m., Brian called his husband, Ben, but Ben didn't answer and he didn't leave a voicemail. The next day, when Ben tried to call Brian back, his phone went straight to voicemail. When Brian didn't return home in the days that followed, Ben started asking around. Friends whose place he was known to be at, at King Edward's Apartments, said that he had walked out of the apartment in the middle of the night and they didn't see him again after that. His truck was indeed found parked just where he had left it down the street from the King Edwards, with no clues or hints, though, as to where Brian might have gone. When Brian's truck was found, the Jackson police were notified. However, they weren't interested in investigating or looking for any evidence in or around the truck. Instead, they told Ben to just get the truck and take it home. Also, during this time, for some reason, friends and family did believe... He was possibly mentally unstable, and they went around passing out flyers and asking for people to watch out for him, but not to approach him. The reason was they felt that if he was trying to stay hidden for some reason, and it came out that people were looking for him, he might vanish again. So they urged caution for people keeping an eye open for him. In fact, they suggested that if people thought they might have seen him, to try and get a picture without him noticing. And this might have also played a role in less people looking for Brian. After all, he was an adult. If he wanted to go somewhere or disappear, that was certainly within his right. And if his own friends and family thought that that's what might have happened, it certainly takes away the urgency in the case. A few volunteer not law enforcement searches were organized in the months that followed his disappearance, although they would end up being canceled. A family advocate did start investigating since the police department would not. And while I agree it's frustrating when law enforcement doesn't help and take these cases seriously, it has also been said that the Jackson PD is a very understaffed and a highly worked department. But to me, then, these are the cases where outside help is needed, such as the state police. We see a lot of these missing persons cases, especially in small towns, where they don't have the manpower to search, and the state police come in and offer assistance. As people close to Brian started asking around, some interesting things were learned, and a few commented about the unreliability of the people at the apartment he was last known to be at. Rumors started to circulate that the live-in boyfriend of the woman at the apartment became very angry at Brian after learning that Brian had taken video of him. I'm not sure the nature of the video or even if this story can be corroborated, although it's mentioned in a few different online forums. The female that lived there, the alleged friend of Brian's, also told a story that Brian had taken her key fob This key fob was used to access the apartment building. The building supervisor said that the key fob was used for several days after Brian's alleged disappearance, according to their records. So was Brian still there coming and going? Or was the woman lying? Or who was using that key fob? 
This information was also passed on to the police with hopes that they would pull and look at surveillance footage from the building. The building did indeed have surveillance cameras, but the police did not request any surveillance. And of course, that footage is now long gone. I did a little bit of looking into these King Edward apartments because it is also referred to as a hotel, and it kind of made me wonder if it was a place for transients or if people live there long term. And the King Edward Hotel is actually a historic landmark for Jackson and even the state of Mississippi. It is located downtown in the historic district of Jackson. It was built in 1923 and it was closed in 1966. It was then renovated and reopened in 2009, having sat vacant that whole time in between, and it was reopened as a combination of hotel and apartments. The hotel portion is actually flagged now as a Hilton Garden Inn and managed as such. It is also home to a bar, restaurant, and coffee shop. The upper levels are apartments. And I don't know why, but these kinds of structures always give me the Cecil Hotel vibes. And if you aren't familiar with the Cecil Hotel in Los Angeles, definitely look that up. I did look the apartments up. It looks like they do begin at around $1,400 a month. So it looks like, although this was once known as a bad area, there have been efforts made to revitalize it and make it a destination spot for Jackson. It might Also be worth noting that this area also has a Greyhound bus station and an Amtrak train station close by, which does increase the chances that one could easily leave the area. So people start searching for Brian, friends and family, and those that know him, but searches turn up nothing and sightings are non-existent. Finally, Jackson PD does get a hold of Brian's cell phone records, and they learn that his cell phone last pinged near Del Rio Street and the Jackson Fire Department. However, the phone itself has never been found. Now, that area near Del Rio does have railroad tracks running through it, although it is mostly a residential and lightly commercial area, some small shops and fast food restaurants. And it is also about four and a half miles from the King Edward Apartments. Even with this newfound information that Jackson PD had, there were still no searches conducted. It is also unknown if Brian perhaps knew someone who lived over in that area, which would give him a reason for being there. And if he did go off on his own, Was he maybe staying with somebody that lived in that neighborhood? Or did he, or his phone, end up there unwillingly? Are there areas nearby to hide evidence or even a body? Looking at the map, there is a rather large body of water nearby, Lake Hiko. However, this lake is closed to the public and has a large fence surrounding the entire perimeter. Not that fences can stop people completely, but it certainly does make it more difficult. Interestingly, that lake is owned by an energy company who last year elected to shut down their power plant and drain the lake. And from what I can tell, it looks like they may have started the process of draining the lake last month. 
If you are local to the area, I'd love to hear what you know about that particular process and that area. There are also some nearby park and recreation areas, including the closest one, La Fleur's Bluff State Park, which consists of 305 acres. So we really have a few different schools of thought here. Brian left the area willingly. Brian met with foul play. Or Brian had a relapse, which resulted in an accident. It seems that those close to Brian did have some concern about his mental state and possible drug use. They also said that being gay in Mississippi can be a tough way of life. So maybe Brian just got up and left. Although where was he getting money? Was he hitting the streets? And why abandon his truck? Brian also had family trying to reach out and find him, thinking maybe he was alive living a transient lifestyle. However, no one heard from him since May of 2018, convincing everyone that knew him that he was no longer alive. Now, there are a few different specific theories that involve foul play. Theory number one, something happened to Brian in that apartment or at the hands of the people that lived there. A rumor has circulated that the couple that lived there had ties to the infamous street gang, the Simon City Royals. The SCR are known to have a lot of law enforcement in their back pocket, or at the very least, law enforcement doesn't seem to come down on them as hard as they could, which is interesting since this is one of the largest and most deadly gangs in America. Theory number two, Brian met with foul play on the streets. If Brian was involved in the drug scene, any number of things could have happened. A drug deal gone bad, maybe in the wrong place at the wrong time. And theory number three, Brian was robbed on the streets. If he was frequenting bad areas, this is also a possibility. And a lot of people have mentioned this. But if this is the case, a random robbery, the fact that they have possibly done something to Brian and hid his body so well is pretty unusual. In the beginning, Brian's husband and sister were active, at least on social media, looking for Brian. They put up missing posters. There was a Facebook page created, help find Christopher Brian Mitchell. However, since then, there were some people behind the scenes continuing to search, but most people have stopped looking. The family has said that they do believe Brian is dead. And it definitely seems likely, although we have absolutely zero evidence to prove that. It also seems odd to me that state agencies and other organizations didn't step in to assist in the search for Brian, especially after his truck was found and the phone records were in. I did speak to one advocate for the family and I asked them, why didn't the husband and the relatives push harder and longer for more media coverage for additional investigations? And I was told that it might have been because they were trying to keep his lifestyle under wraps to protect family and to protect Brian, which I can definitely understand. But where does that leave us now? Three years later, And still no sign of Brian and no clues as to what may have happened to him or where he is. 
And sadly, Brian's mother has since passed away, not knowing what happened to her son. Brian and his husband, Ben, had been together for five years, and Ben had this to say about Brian. The main thing he always does is tries to make people laugh and feel better no matter how he feels. He always considers other people's feelings. That's why we know he wouldn't do this unless there's something wrong, and we just want to find him. One day, there is a bright, smiling, laughing young man chatting away with his clients in his salon chair, cutting hair and cutting jokes, and the next day his chair sat empty. No laughter filled the room. A husband sat at home, wondering where the love of his life had gone. Family wonders where their son and brother is. Friends remember the smiling face and selflessness of Brian Mitchell. Yet there are no answers. And as far as we know, there are no clues either. There is no trail to follow. There is just nothing. Christopher Brian Mitchell was 32 years old when he vanished in May of 2018. He was described as a Caucasian man, 5 foot 10 inches tall, weighing around 160 pounds. He has brownish, reddish hair and green eyes. His given name is Christopher, but he usually went by Brian. He does have a few distinguishing tattoos on his neck. The letter B in Old English script on the left side, the number 22 on the right side, and EST 1986 on the back. If you have any information about the whereabouts of Christopher Bryant Mitchell or any knowledge at all regarding his case, please call Jackson Police Department at 601-960-1234. I encourage you to also like the Facebook page set up for Brian. Help find Christopher Brian Mitchell. While there isn't much going on in his case right now, we need to reinvigorate the search for Brian and the search for answers. Please share his name and his story any way you can. Someone definitely knows something. What do you think happened to Christopher Brian Mitchell? Thank you for tuning in to hear Brian's story. I know there aren't many details to go on here, but we need to change that. His family deserves it, and Brian himself deserves it. Please make sure you have liked our Facebook page and are following us on Instagram. Once we reach 500 over there, we will be able to have some live discussion events. And we have well over 500 downloads a week, so I'm hopeful some of y'all can go like and follow us over there. Again, if you have any case suggestions you'd like to hear, send me an email at canwefindthem at gmail.com. If you are a member of our detective group over on Patreon, keep your eye out this week for our bonus episode releasing on Friday. As always, thanks so much for all of the support. And most of all, thank you for hearing and listening to Brian Mitchell's story. This one is heartbreaking for so many reasons, including 
the lack of media coverage and lack of investigation into his case. So let's continue to spread the word. We appreciate all of you so much, and we will be back again next week with another Unsolved Missing Persons episode. Until then, stay safe and hug your loved ones.